Alright guys, welcome back to the Nosebleed Seats Podcast. This is episode number 28. Me and Liam are here back today. Um, here you go. A little bit of a toughie. The Bruins are officially eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. And the Celtics are coming off probably the most heartbreaking loss you could imagine. Last night in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, so we're going to kick off with that Celtics Raptors, obviously it was 2-0 heading into last night and the Celtics battled very hard. I mean, I didn't watch the game. I listened and from what I heard of it, they were fighting all game long, making tough shots, hanging in and during those Raptors punches. And I mean, with the game on the line, Kemba Walker finds Daniel Tice with I saw the replay of it. I mean, like all five defenders were on Kemba there and he found a way through to Tice for a slam with 0.5 seconds left. And Sean Grandy, the Celtics radio voice, um, he's undefeated, one of the best in the business. Uh, He said that was the ball game. And I mean, every fan around the freaking country pretty much thought that that was the ball game. And um, the Celtics put out Taco Fall, the Garden inbound, and they leave a wide open Ananobi in the corner. And Lowry gets it over Taco's Taco's ginormous frame, and that's your ball game. Ananobi drills one <laughs> with a half second, and the Raptors are right back in the series. A monumental, monumental shot. Um, I mean, it that like it speaks dividends of how much the the momentum has now switched. Um, the Celtics pretty much could have wrapped the series up. Could have much, pr- pretty much could have said that they were on their way to the conference finals, and he drills it. So, Liam, I'll, the floor is yours. Um. Yeah. So, uh, Brad Stevens pulled the old Bill Belichick, uh, throwing the tall, goofy guy out there on an extre- extremely important defensive play that just wildly didn't work. Um, also, I'm sitting here drinking a White Claw, so a little different this time. This uh, episode usually I go with the beers, but uh, it's you know seltzer time. But uh, back to the talk. Um, yeah, no, it just was a heart just. Everyone I was with was, oh, game's over, game's over. I, on the other hand, being the just negative person I am, was like, ah, you know, half a second, that's just enough time to get up a shot from really anywhere, and the Raptors call a timeout, so they're going to have it on our end. So anything could happen here. Uh, I did not expect a full heave across the entire court and for Ananobi to just be wide open. But it happens. Kemba did probably one of his best possessions since the step back at UConn. That was flawless. Uh, Him just dribbling out the clock, finding a lane, going right in, drawing Gasol off of Thice, and then just the smooth bounce back pass just for Thice just to slam it home. It was a tough loss. It really is. I don't really – it's going to be a tough one to come back from, but – 
I mean, at sports, you just got to play, get up, play the next day. And that's what the Celtics team has to do. Um, a little bit of a not-so-great game from uh, our pride and joy, Jason Tatum, um, as he only went 15 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Pretty good, but five for 18 from the field uh, isn't really going to get it done. Uh, one for four from behind the arc. So uh, Tatum needs to step it up a little bit if we want to get back into the series. Um, but besides that, I think the whole team is looking pretty good. The time Lloyd out there, Rob Williams, is playing very clutch minutes right now for this team. Uh, but in all reality, this team is looking pretty, pretty good. And I'm really liking – I mean, if any team can come back from – a loss like that, I think it's the Celtics team. And, you know, I think we got to find a way to just take up a 3-1 lead uh, going into game four. I mean, yeah, the thing definitely worth noting here is definitely Jason Tatum's play. Um, really not much out of him. Um, I mean, if you get any what sort of a good game from Tatum, I think this series is 3-0, definitely, for sure. But I mean the fact that the fact that when your superstar player doesn't have a good game and you still almost I want to say win the game but you don't half a second yep just because of the fact that your starting lineup is so deep um I have been proven very wrong by this team I thought um their bench would hurt them a lot and then when uh Gordon Hayward went down I thought that would even hurt them that much more considering they were having to bring uh, Marcus Smart from the bench to the starting lineup and they're still finding ways to stay in games I mean there's now six and one in the playoffs against um, two opponents who aren't slouches like the Sixers like we talked about last episode with or without Ben Simmons still a good deep team and obviously the Raptors probably the deepest team in the league in terms of bench, maybe maybe the Nuggets are up there with them, but the Raptors are an extremely deep team. I mean, you saw that with Ananobi. I mean, I don't even know if that guy starts, but, I mean, that just shows, like, the way he's been playing. He's probably been their, their best player through all the games. But, I mean, you need Jason Tatum if, if you want to um, shift the momentum back to your side. You definitely need Tatum. Um Kemba Walker, I mean, it seems just like with the way the regular season went and how he played, I mean, it's just a bonus if you get if you get anything over 20 out of Kemba. You don't really expect it, but like he's a very capable capable scorer. So it's not uh, it's not like some hard feat for him to score 20 plus points. I mean, he's showing that now. But I mean, like I just said, the way this regular season has gone, Kemba kind of took a back seat in terms of the scoring, and now the playoffs postseason has started. He has been, it looks like, Charlotte Kemba Walker. So, I mean, definitely you need Tatum to be your priority for the offensive end. JB, obviously, and then perform. if you get these performances from Kemba and Smart like you have been, I mean, this is a tough team to beat. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm sure this team isn't going to hang their heads because of one bad inbound play. I'm sure they're going to be right back at it tomorrow night, battling hard. I mean, I do think both or the rest of this series is going to be close. I mean, the, 
the first game was a blowout, but the last the last two games have been close. And I think that these two teams match up very well, very defensive basketball. They're going to be close games for sure. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. This, I, I mean, I think before the – I guess it's Celtics in five, Celtics in six. So, I mean, my bet – my prediction's still alive, but I mean, what stand out to me is last night's game. The Celtics went with five bench players, not including Taco Fall, and the Raptors only went with three. So, really? Yeah. So the Celtics are utilizing that deeper bench more. So I'm thinking if the Celtics just tighten up on that bench a little bit, maybe not play Brad Wanamaker at all because he <laughs> sucks, but give some minutes back to the starters. I don't know. I think that might make a difference. Um, you know, Tatum, I'm not going to knock him. It's not like he played an atrocious game. He still was a – I mean, he was a positive out there for us. No doubt. I mean, 15, 9, and 6 is definitely no slouch. But when you're expecting, like, 30 and 10 from a guy each night, you can't really go out there and do that. So, I agree with Tatum has to step up. Smart and Walker and Brown even have – all three just been playing very consistent, very good uh, styles of basketball. Marcus Smart came out of nowhere in game two and just suddenly was the best three-point shooter on the planet. So I think that I really like this Celtics team. I think we can come back from this. I like seeing that Grant Williams played a bunch of minutes last night. So, I mean, Rob Williams getting minutes too, like getting these young guys involved. I think that's going to be the key in you know, also just sticking with our starting five for majority of the game, much like the Raptors are doing, because I take our starting five over their starting five all day. Absolutely. When uh, when is how long do you think Hayward has until he comes back? Do you know the um, any updates on that? I have not seen any updates, but I believe he will be back. I believe it. I think they said optimistically end of the series, uh, start of the next. All right. So, I mean, this you definitely, definitely got to win a few more without, without Hayward and just hope that you have not woken up a beast here with this shot that Ananobi makes. I mean, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Um, well, wait, he's actually not even on the injured list right now. So, really? Um, yeah, let me let me get back to you real quick. I, gotta... I know he left the bubble, though. Yeah. But, I mean, I certainly don't think that – I certainly don't think that this team is – they're not going to just, like, fold to this. I mean, obviously, it's – it's pretty apparent the way that Brad Stevens has built this team. I mean, this is – all right, I'm going to go on a limb here. I think the Celtics are – I know I kind of bagged on them a couple episodes ago, but, like, one thing I have picked up on is, like, within the past few days, like the Giannis rumors and stuff like that, like, the Celtics are very t- tight-knit. Like, it's that's no secret, and I think that that's, like, pretty huge. And it was something that I never really took into account. And when I was talking about this team and saying how they probably couldn't get past the conference finals. And now, I mean, like you're pretty good chance, pretty good chance that you are going to the conference final against the, 
against the Miami Heat, which is something I didn't see coming. So, I mean, like, it was something that I'm kind of just eating my words right now because I'd, like, a couple episodes ago, I just thought that the Bucks would be an automatic to the conference finals. And now, I mean, it's looking like the Celtics are going to be a favorite against the Miami Heat in the conference finals. And I think that pays so much attention to the fact that the Celtics are, like, very, 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 very good in the chemistry column. And that's pretty much – I think they have every other team beaten in that. I mean, you see it. Like, uh, Marcus Smart turns the ball over, and he's immediately, like, going to give the guy – I think it was Jalen he was passing to. He immediately runs over, gives him a high five, says – like, you don't see that with other teams, especially, like, the Rockets. Um, I think that pays huge dividends in terms of winning. Brad Stevens have built a tremendous culture, and I think that's the reason why you're going to see a team like the Celtics beat a team like the Raptors, two teams that are not so far apart in terms of talent. Yeah, no, it's – I mean, it's definitely more of a team mentality. It's more of a team team than – a you know team like the Bucks that are like if Giannis isn't going the Bucks probably aren't gonna win like out west if Kawhi isn't on his top game the Clippers are gonna be in trouble like the Celtics are more of an all-around team yes Tatum is our young superstar he's going to be the face of this franchise for years to come but right now it's a team game where Tatum can take the backseat Kemba can take the backseat like everyone Mm -hmm. can afford to not have to go out there and perform, do these unbelievable games in order for the team to win. We Celtics almost won if it didn't come down to a half a second and Jason Tatum didn't have all that great of a game. Like it's stuff like that where we don't need guys to go off because there's so many other guys that just slide in and fill in that vacancy. Mm-hmm. You paying attention I, to these, uh, these Giannis rumors? I I have not heard any of the Giannis rumors. I know like people are saying like Golden State, like, but I I think he's gonna stay. In my opinion, that is I think that is so awesome how they the Bucks are down two zero in a series that they could easily come back into, and there are rumors swirling that their back to back MVP winner wants to leave to go to a team like the Raptors. I think the other two were the Warriors and who was the third? It was the Raptors. Oh, Heat, Raptors, and Warriors. Just because you're down 2-0 in series. That's so awesome. I mean, it, it's just, it's it's funny. It really is. Like, the sky is falling now for them just because they're down 2-0 in a series. They were up 2-0 last year on uh, Toronto and then Toronto came back and beat them. Mm. Like it's just stuff like that where it's like 2-0 is nothing. 2-0 is not like an insane lead to have. All right, guys, we are back. A little bit of a technical difficulty there. Uh, We're not really sure what happened just kind of cut out but um 
We're going to be shifting our focus. We were just hitting on the Celtics a bunch. We're going to be going over towards the Bruins. Um, Bruins uh, officially done here against the Lightning. Uh, definitely tough one to swallow considering a lot of us, I think most of the hockey world saw this series going a little bit deeper than it actually did. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the favorites in this. So, I mean, it's really no like surprise um, that they won. Like I just said, I definitely could have saw this series going six or seven games, whether we lose or not. So, um, but it's all said and done. The Lightning are currently waiting on an opponent uh, to play in the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, three game sevens going on that will fill in the rest of the Conference Final matchups. Um, there were a bunch of bunch of matchups that were three one. Like the Bruins were in a couple every, nights ago. Every matchup was yeah. 3-1. Yeah. Okay. My. <laughs> and the Bruins were the one team to get eliminated. The rest are still alive. Have won two straight and are going at it tonight and tomorrow night to determine the game seven winner. So um, basically what we're going to be talking about here is what went wrong. Um, why the lightning ultimately shattered us in so many ways. Uh, they beat us down. There's really no other way to put it. Um, you can say what you want about game game five. The Bruins did have a lot of shots. But, I mean, when it got down into it, you could really see who wanted to win, who didn't. Um, I'm going to hit on that for sure. And we're also going to be hitting on the offseason now as we shift our approach here um some interesting free agents we're going to be hitting on we're going to be talking about what the bruins might need to add uh, in terms of out of the organization players to make them stronger and yeah so we're going to be talking about a lot of bruins right now uh i'll ask you first straight up what went what went wrong for the bruins um you know, it's just easy to point at goaltending uh, as being a huge reason why the Bruins team didn't have a ton of success. Uh, Halak showed um, why he is a backup goalie still and really was not promoted to a starting goalie. Um, it's just that's really a huge factor right there. It's not having a goalie. And everyone that rags on Tuka asks, like, oh, Tuka's not good anymore. Tuka can't do this. Tuka can't do that. He's never won a cup. You're not going to have success in the NHL unless you have a goalie like Tukaras. And Halak, great goalie, tremendous backup goalie, but when the pressure's on, the guy doesn't have a glove side. It's, if you shot glove side, he is a very high chance that it is going in the net. So Halak really showed that he was a backup. I still want the Bruins to have the two-goalie system going into a normal season next year with Halak and Rask. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not, but... I think that was a huge factor, was just goaltending. We couldn't get it done goaltending-wise. Uh, Chara looked a little slow, but, again, I'm going to credit. And oh, a lot of guys on the Bruins looked really slow. I A huge part of that is, you know, taking four months off in the when you're getting ready for a postseason push and then getting told just to go home and wait, not really having that long of time to prepare for the season. I blame that as a huge factor, and it really sucks, but 
at the end of the day, the Bruins lost to probably the one team in the Eastern Conference that would have be, beat them ordinarily in an ordinary playoff if the bug did not exist. So, so I'm a little fine with it. They outplayed us, plain and simple. They won the series. It just sucks that this Bruins team looks different going into the shutdown and then everything just went to shit right after that. So, I mean, it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's just the reality of the situation. It's just trying to keep this core together and, you know, guys that are going to leave this off season, um, just got to plug their holes and try to figure out a way to, you know, keep this momentum and keep this five year stretch of success that we've had going. Yeah. Um, you, I'm going to, First and foremost, definitely it was uh, goaltending. That was pretty apparent. Um, Halak made made a couple big saves here and there, but against a team as red hot as the Lightning are, I mean, you need you need a lot of those big saves. And you said it. I think you hit the you hit the head on the nail. Um, no really glove side. Um, the Lightning did score some. Some cheapies, some def- a lot of deflected goals. I'm I'm not like, that's not me crediting Halak at all. It's just kind of like the luck of the draw almost. I think we kind of got unlucky in that aspect. I mean, I forget what game it was. I think it was game, uh, game four, game three, when they shot one from the point and it like just went up in the air and just into the net like a a fly ball. I mean, that's just. It's just unlucky. It really is. Um, it feels like the Bruins had to work and work and work for all their goals, and the Lightning kind of just had to throw pucks on net, and they would find sticks, and it would they trickle in. Um, but like you said, there were a couple goals where it was like, okay, like really, Yaro? Like, come on, man! Like, but right, right there, those. Sh- talking about where it's just like oh it's just all they had to do is shoot it just get a redeflect and end i mean that's where having a goalie like tuka rask and on the other end it's uh vasilevsky right yeah having him on the other end the bruins get shots like that he just deflects them the side no problem it's not even a worry like bruins can even tip a couple tip it a couple times a goalie of that caliber is just going to make that safe so and with that's with us going with a backup instead of a Vesna trophy finalist like Tukarask, you know, it's those are the goals that are going to go in. Like everyone says, Tuka doesn't make the flashy saves, the big saves. Yes, but he makes every single fundamental save. And I just, it really sucks that Tuka decided to call it a uh, season. Um, again, I hope nothing's wrong. I hope his family's doing well, but man, it just, it would have been a different series. We might still be playing if we had Tuka Rask. Yeah. Uh, reports were that um, something had to do with his daughter being unhealthy. And if that's the case, I mean, that's a perfectly reasonable way as to why you'd opt out of the season. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, love or hate the guy. I mean, you can't wish. You can't wish badly upon his family. I mean, that's just pretty fucked up. So, I mean, if that's the case, I 100% respect the move of leaving the bubble and going to your family. So, 
I also think he's he did what every player wanted to do. Like I I genuinely don't think that a large portion of the league wants to be in the bubble. I think this sucks for them. I think you're only hanging out with your team. Obviously, you love hanging out with the boys during the season, but you, I mean, twenty four seven's a bit of a commitment. You're away from your family. You're away from your kids. You can't go golf. You can't go bike. You can't do anything outside of hockey. So for about two months straight, it is just hockey. Mm. And I love hockey. That would have been sick for the first like couple, well, couple weeks. But as it gets going, it's just like, oh my god, this is just killing me. Like I, I imagine these guys want to go see their family. Want to go like do something other than hockey. And everyone chirps them. They're like, oh, these guys are making millions of dollars. To, like, shut up and just play. Like, yeah, that's it's a fact. But a guy like Tuka Rask, who does not really care because he's already made a shit ton of money over his career, he'll just opt it. He'll just choose the opt out plan and go hang out with his family. So I think he's doing what a lot of the players wanted to do. I know we're vaguely touching on a topic that's like a month old right now. So, mm. but I mean, I just think that stems, that was the, the root of the whole problem for the Bruins in the postseason this year. Next off on this series, um, this is probably the next biggest reason why the Bruins got waxed. And this came from me going on to spottrack.com, looking at the um, free agent list for this season. And I was going going through it, looking through all the players. There's your Petrangelo's at the top, your Taylor Hall's. Um, Tory Krug's at near the top of that list, making five and a quarter million dollars a year. And then I started scrolling down this list even more, and I kept scrolling down even more. And then I scrolled down some more. And near the bottom of this list, where merely all AHL players are in terms of how much they make per season, I saw these two names. Kevin Shattenkirk and Zach Bogosian making Bogosian is making a mil and a quarter and Shattenkirk is making um, 1.75 per year. Um, That is massive. Absolutely massive. These two were huge. I mean, Zach Bogosian, I hit on it before saying how you could see which team wanted to win in those in that game five overtime winner. You could clearly see it. I mean, these guys, talking about Bogosian, these guys were on their stomach and on their knee every single time the Bruins wound up to take a shot. And, I mean, to have these two players making $2 million, $3 million against your cap, to be your fourth, fifth, maybe sixth defenseman in terms of ours, Connor Clifton. I mean, even Tory Krug. Tory Krug was almost a non-factor in this series. And he is probably, I mean, I'm going to say that Petrangelo is going back to St. Louis. Tory Krug is the top free agent defenseman on the market this year. And he's getting outplayed by guys that are making one-fifth of what he's making. I mean, I, I get it. Tory Krug is no shot blocker. Um, 
big stand-up defenseman. He's more of a power play specialist, offensive guy. But my gosh, there was such a such a dividend here in the def- in both defensive departments on each team. Um, and this isn't without even talking about Victor Hedman and uh, Sergachev. I mean, this Tampa defense is just so loaded, so loaded compared to ours. And we knew that we really only had a couple of those guys that compared to uh, the two I just mentioned on the Lightning, Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy. I mean, Charo was kind of kind of a tree. <laughs> Didn't really do too much. Uh, I hate to, hate to rag on the guy, but he looked – 43 years old and then the rest it's like connor clifton john moore tory krug like all these other guys like it's just like they did not stand anywhere near of how shattenkirk and bogosian played i think that is reason number two almost reason number one as to why you lose this series i mean i'll let you let you go on it for a minute because i don't know anything no definitely the 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 differential in differential I don't even know if that's the right word to use here but the the drop off in play between the Bruins defense and the Lightning's defense was incredible mm-hmm. uh, we just got outplayed uh, there's no two ways of looking at it um, yeah Jar was a tree out there he wasn't moving uh, he still was a factor though because no one else in the NHL can take up that much space. But it just it sucks that it was it came down to you know it's just they're they they were deeper. Like it's just there's no other way of looking at it. They were they were a deeper team, they were a more capable team, they were clicking at the right time, they had the hot goalie. It's just the drop off in talent. Their first line can skate with our first line, their power play was unbelievable this entire series. It's the Bruins didn't stand a chance, especially with the way we were playing going in. Um, obviously, we looked good against Carolina, but that's because Carolina's Carolina and the Bruins are the Bruins. So I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing against this Bruins team that uh, that happened, but it's just I think that there's two teams in the NHL right now that are steps above the rest. I think it's the Lightning and the Golden Knights, and then the Bruins fall right in that tier right below them right now. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a Stanley Cup team next year. It's just, you know, it's the same story we had going into this year, last year, and the year before. It's how are we going to get by Tampa Bay? And it's going to be continue to be a question while Tampa Bay has this powerhouse team. It's like Washington back when we were growing up. They kept racking up President's trophies, but nothing came out of it. Mm-hmm. And that was the big question, but for teams in the East is how are we going to get past Washington? Just, you, you know, you just got to build your team to just be strong during this playoff push. And you never know what's going to happen come, come playoff puck time. But Bruins just got outplayed. They were a deeper team. They were a more talented team this series. And, you know, it's, it's not like one of those series where you leave a sour taste in your mouth because it's not like the Bruins outplayed them and we just came out on bottom. But it was just top to bottom. The Bruins couldn't skate with them. Yeah, I mean, and certainly to 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 go on of just saying how you couldn't skate with them. I I think throwing out a line with Brett Ritchie on it doesn't 
really help your case of trying to skate with probably the fastest team in the league. You you saw it. You you clearly saw it. I mean, this team got hurt badly in those two games that Richie played. Or I think he played he played in game one, scored a goal, and then games two, two, three, and four, he played, and that was really where you got beat the worst. And then you take him out when you're one loss away from ending your season, and you put in guys who can probably skate with the Lightning in terms of Bjork and uh, Studnika, and then you have a clear, clearly better game on offense. I mean, you saw it. They racked up more, a lot more shots. They had almost 50 shots on net. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to keep getting upset because like you and does not leave a sour taste in my mouth. They were the superior worst team in this series. But I mean, the fact that that guy really got that many looks and that many chances, especially after just like completely just bodying a dude like who hadn't had the puck for a solid second and a half, two seconds. And then you get a five minute major and they score two quick goals. I mean, that is what dictates series. Like just like that. It's just like that's how the that's how the Stanley Cup playoffs are played. It's runs, it's stretches, it's momentum. I mean, you can say that with every other sport here, but like you are handing handing the lightning a series if you're gonna be that undisciplined. And you saw it there, then they yank them <laughs> and Sanika comes in and pre- presents way more of a presence than Richie provided in the four games that he played total. Um, so what I'm saying on that is that I hope Brett Richie never sees the ice again. I mean, God, if, if another team wants him, be my guest. I, he's a restricted free agent, so I, I really don't expect him to be back here. And if they do, I mean, wow, we are setting our standards pretty darn low in terms of what an NHL or a Bruins NHL player is. Um, yeah, no. And Go ahead. It's clear that he was a liability this series. And I mean, there's a couple guys that I just thought just didn't didn't show up. In Richie's case, it's just a tough one to call. Just he's a bigger fella. But, I mean, he had to play better to show why we traded for him. Uh, he didn't. Uh, now looks like a bad trade. Really, I was talking to my cousins the other night at dinner, and really the only good trade, um, what's his name, our GM here? Uh, Sweeney. Sweeney. Yep. Uh, the only good trade he's made has been uh, the Coil trade, when he traded Donato for Coil. Uh, besides that, he hasn't made a great one since taking over for um, Shirley. I mean, yeah. Is there is there a point soon where you think about switching GM? Uh, I disagree. I completely do not think that we should switch GMs. He has gotten the Bruins in a pretty sweet spot that most teams in the NHL are not in right now, where we're currently playing two of the top. I don't know, I'm gonna be generous and say ten players in the National Hockey League: Marshawn and uh, Pasternak, like pennies on the dollar. We have steals of contracts all because of him for, for Prosternock and Marshy. And it's for a couple more years. So I'd say hang on to him. Um, obviously, you know, it doesn't seem that he can get it done on the, the trade deadline aspect of the job. But 
I mean, at the end of the day, he still has done an unbelievable job creating this team. And, you know, we went away from the Stanley Cup last year. And I think just stick with him, see if he can, you know, get us out of this sticky area that we're about to go in as, you know, we're about to hit the top of the cap. And, you know, it's going to be a tough call for the Bruins these next couple of years when we're going to have to cut some weight. I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on what you just said about Sweeney. I think that he has made a couple big ones uh, that, that are very, very, very worth mentioning here in terms of, I mean, he did draft David Pasternak. He did draft Charlie McAvoy. He did trade for Charlie Coyle. But this is also the GM that took three players in a row, one draft over Matt Barzell. He took Jake DeBrusque and two guys that have yet to see the NHL. Or maybe I think another one has been here and there. But two other guys that are fringe NHL players over one of the stars in the league. And like you just said, he has not really made any other big trade deadline acquisition. Uh, he traded Danton Heinen, a guy that was a very, very solid third liner, a guy that was was pretty much up for trade for literally nothing. He he traded at the time. We both texted each other on it when that trade happened a few months ago. What the fuck did we just do? Why did we get this bozo? I mean, Brett Rich. I'm I'm gonna keep shitting on him because this this was the worst move I have ever seen as a Boston Bruins fan in terms of deadline, deadline trade, this is the worst. And it was one of those from start to finish where I hated it. This guy was a slouch, a pure slouch. Like, he did nothing. I mean, you you want him to come here and be physical? Great, dude. But, like, guess what? He wasn't even physical. The only time he was physical was when the guy didn't even have the puck and you commit a dirty-ass hit. So, I mean, I do think that – if Sweeney doesn't get things going within the next year, I I would see the, them relieving him of his duties. I mean, I definitely see it. Like, what what are you supposed to do? I mean, you need to bring in a guy. I, the only reason why I'm saying hang on to him now is because he's in so deep on it. The core is kind of just about hitting their last final years together in terms of Krejci, Bergeron, Chara, Marshawn, those older guys getting up there in age. I mean, hang on, hang on to him if you want until that falls apart. But I mean, when it's time to hit that rebuild or retool, I wouldn't really call it a rebuild, considering that we do have some good players. I would go after another GM. I would because I just the past few years, man, it's just been nothing after nothing. I mean, the coil trade, bang, boom, whatever. But after that, like, come on, man, like, it's time to win a cup. Like, this team is talented enough to win a cup, and if you're one, I don't know. I just I think this is me more pissed off because what the Lightning did at the deadline compared to what we did. But I don't know, man. I would no, definitely it's... consider within the next couple of years getting rid of it. I know. I'm. That's. I mean, I think we're just agreeing but disagreeing at the same time. I think we need to see how he navigates us through this tricky financial situation we're going to be in in a couple of years. Um, obviously a couple of the moves weren't the right moves, but I mean, you can't deny the guy has an ability to just sign guys to cheap deals. Like yeah. he just finds a way to get these good contracts. And, you know, I, 
I mean, when we're going to be dealing with a lot of our young guys getting extensions, I'd want him on our side, you know, negotiating those deals rather than guys just going and getting market value. Like we, we just had Tory Krug for, I don't know, I wouldn't say a steal of a contract, but it was definitely a little more team friendly than some other third defenseman on teams. And, you know, obviously I mentioned the Pasta deal, the Marshy deal, even Bergeron, Chara, they all are making incredible amount of money considering what their value is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to shift shift focus here now. I mean, now that we're kind of blending into it, uh, I want to talk about like this upcoming free agent class for the Bruins. Uh, you just hit on Krug. Um, most people ruled him out in returning. Until he came out yesterday, or I think it was yesterday or the day before, on a uh, interview call, and he said that there's unfinished business here, and that um, he wouldn't rule out him leaving just yet. So, with that, with the market set very, very high for him, considering he might be the top defenseman heading into this year's free agency. Do you see Tory Krug taking a more team-friendly deal? Um, I can see it. Uh, do I think it's likely? No. But I definitely can see him taking a team-friendly deal. Uh, I think right now I was reading his like, market values at right over 7 mil is what he's expected to get a year, uh, which is just out of the Bruins' p- price range. So, you know, right now they're kind of doing the negotiation dance. We got some time before – you know, the next year's training camp kicks back up. But, I mean, I could definitely see him taking a little bit of a team-friendly deal, but I genuinely think once he starts seeing some of the money that he's going to be making elsewhere, I think he's going to say, thanks for the memories, Boston, but I'm out. Like, I mean, a best-case scenario, what, we slide him in at, like, six, six and a half a year. That pushes our cap wicked high up, and then – you know, what, where do we go from there? And, you know, if he sees a contract from a team like the Red Wings, who are on the up, probably wanting a veteran defenseman, you know, just in there, he's from uh, Michigan. And if they offer him eight, nine mil a year, just really blow the bank on him because they can afford it right now because they're not going to be in championship contention for a while, you know, I think he probably would say yes to that deal over the one for Boston. So, it's definitely going to be tricky, um, but if you were to ask me, I'd say I think he played his last game in the Bruins jersey. I'm going to disagree with you. Again, I think that Tory Krug ultimately does take that friendly deal. I think the Bruins will find a way to shed some, some mills outside of Krug's deal in terms of where you can sign some other pieces. You can get maybe a back-end defenseman that you're looking for, maybe a second third winger or second third line winger to a cheaper deal but I do think that I mean listen I think that the Bruins could ultimately up their um, years in terms of in the contract of what the Red Wings would want to offer I mean he's 29 going on to 30 years old um, the Bruins I mean I don't know if this would interest them maybe up that that years to maybe six or seven years instead of four or five. And that way he gets more uh, security. I mean, yeah, he's not making as much, but he will be making 
like you said, that five to six, six and a half mil per year for a longer duration than him making eight or nine for five in Detroit. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think that like what you just said, I mean, all these guys, uh, McAvoy, Bergeron, Pasternak, Marshawn are all taking team friendly deals. I think Krug follows along. I think the locker room has its way. They, they talk to Krug and say, listen, like we want to, we want to fucking win this cup. Like we are set for it. And I think he said in that call, he said, I'm the longest tenured Boston athlete without a championship. So that's something, I mean, take what you want from it. But I mean, that just shows maybe like he's buying in. Like he does not want to just leave this here where he's been here since I think it's 2012, 2013 and hasn't won anything. I mean, I think, I don't know. I like, I like Krug in the, because of, of I know he is a, a winner. I mean, I know it's kind of cliche considering he hasn't won anything, but I do believe Tory Krug's a winner. He's not just some pushover guy that takes his money. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I like to think that Tory Krug is the type of guy that would take this pay cut, stay with us. Because I know from what we saw in this series, that was not the Tory Krug that we all know. I mean, he was he was pretty brutal out there, but I think that ultimately he takes it. And uh, next year... Hopefully, I mean, I'd like to think he's his normal self again. Yeah. So, um, lastly, on the Bruins, we're just going to quickly hit on everyone else, free agents. Uh, I'll go. I'll run down the list um, quickly. I'll run down the list. I'll give my predictions on each quickly. Uh, Yaro Halak is a free agent, unrestricted. I think he is gone. Um, a team will overpay for him. Just like they, we saw with Anton Udobin, uh, Yarrow will be elsewhere, kind of like a fringe starter on another team. He's old, but um, certainly a losing franchise without a goalie will bite. Uh, Kevin Miller, gone, hasn't played a game in two years. Chances are he probably played his last game in the NHL whenever the last time he played. I don't think he'll be signed by anyone. Uh, Jake DeBrusque is a restricted free agent. Uh, I think the Bruins will offer him something short. Um, I think it'll like his years will kind of mirror his salary per year. So I think he'll get like a three year, three point something, two year, two point something deal. I mean, he really hasn't proven much. I love the guy, but it is what it is. Zidane Ochara, um, he said he wants to be back, um, kind of up to management at this point. I think. Pretty much you, you know that he's signing back a one-year deal. Um, and then the last two are Matt Grizzlick. I believe Matt Grizzlick's still a free agent. I think he's restricted. And Joaquin Nordstrom. I think Grizzlick will be back uh, on a one-year deal. He'll get like a some minor pay raise. And Joaquin Nordstrom is out the door. Um, I don't know if you want to go down your list or if whatever, but um, yeah, Grizzlick is an RFA. He's uh, arbitration eligible, though, so he's probably going to get a little bit of a pay bump. Yep. Um, I obviously said Krug's up in the air. Um, I think he's probably out the door when he's going to see the money that he's going to be getting elsewhere. Uh, I think we already got Bjork 
um, signed up. I think DeBrusque is an RFA. Nordstrom, I think Nordstrom's out the door. Chara, I think, is going to stick around. Um, I think Halak's going to do the same thing. Um, and, yeah, the rest of the guys, a lot of them are just RFAs. Uh, Kevin Miller, who's a unrestricted, yeah, I think he's, he's done. Uh, Miller's done. So, I think probably pretty similar thoughts on. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what we're getting at here is basically the same team next year. I mean, maybe you'll see one or two guys new on the uh, squad. It's the same core. Same, same exact core. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to be many changes. So, we'll see on that. Uh, I know, Liam, you want to talk some more hockey, right? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to touch on it. Um, it's just banana land that there was four series, all four of the conference semifinal matchups all had a team up 3-1, and three of them are going to be in game seven tonight and tomorrow. So it's absurd. This is why we love hockey, because it's not basketball. It's not unheard of to for a team to come back from down 3-1 or even 3-0. There's a little parody in the league. So it should be extremely interesting to see what goes on. I believe Colorado's up 2-1 right now. On the stars, I took Colorado money line earlier, so as well, baby. That's right. Hopefully, they can pull it through. But um, yeah, no, I just think it's insane. Uh, this is why we love hockey, and even in this freaky, freaky year, it shows the playoff hockey. Anything can still just happen. This is kind of gonna cut into my picks here a little bit, but I like all three teams that are coming back from that series deficit. I like all three of those teams in Game Seven. I like the Flyers the Canucks, and the Avs. Hmm. Okay, well, I viewed a little differently. You want to just go into picks now? or? Yeah, we'll, we'll go right into it. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll start us off. Well, first off, game already happened, but I had the Avalanche. But, I did uh, as well. Tonight, I'm taking the Golden Knights, uh, the two-goalie oh, system. Oh. They, blew the, they blew the 3-1 lead, but <laughs> hey, only not every team's going to be – not every team's going to blow that lead. I think the – Knights are going to come out on top in the series. And then tomorrow night, I got the Flyers over the aisles. Better goalie with heart in between the pipes. You know, I just don't think the Islanders have it. Um, if I were to be a betting man and predict which one of the, what the Stanley Cup final would be, I'm going to say it'll be Golden Knights Lightning. Because I think the Lightning are going to pump the tires. They're the Islanders or the Flyers. And I think the Golden Knights are on a different level. Right now, so I would take them. They obviously just blew a 3-1 lead, but I think they're going to win tonight and then keep the momentum going. And, yeah, that's that was my NHL picks. But my last pick out in Russia in the KHL, I got Yakutur Haliski. Uh, there, take them puck line, uh, plus 154. If we know anything about the KHL, it's run by the mob. Uh, and if I know anything about Yakutur, they're they're a huge mafia town, so they're gonna they're gonna be blowing, or they're gonna be getting the points. The Damino Raga are gonna start shedding some points there, so I'd hammer that one home. All right, thank you for that. Um, my picks, uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go oppose the Liam here. Take the Canucks tonight, coming back down from a lead. Um, the, don't get me wrong. Golden Knights, very, very good team. And if they win, if they win this game, I do see them going to the cup. I do love the Leonard Flurry thing they have going there, but 
I love a team coming back down from 3-1. I like the Canucks tonight. Take them. I also had the um, I also had the Flyers, if you're wondering, tomorrow as well. But um, my other picks, I'm going to shift towards the NBA. Uh, tonight, it's the Lakers and the Rockets, I believe. It's the 4th, correct? September 4th? Yep. Yep. The Lakers are minus 7. That may sound like a lot of points, but the Houston Rockets are just coming off a Game 7 win, which they barely squeaked one out just, I think, two nights ago. Um, You saw it last night. A tired Nuggets team came in and played a well-rested Clippers team and got smoked. I think the same is going to happen tomorrow with the Lakers against the Rockets. Take the Lakers minus 7. Also, tonight, in an hour and a half, you'll probably be just getting it in, if if anything. Um, I do like the Bucks tonight. They're minus five and a half. I really like them. Um, maybe money line them if you want. Their money line is probably going to be something crazy. But I do like their spread. I don't see a team like the Bucks going down 3-0 uh, against the Heat. Doesn't mean that they're going to win the series. I do like the Heat in that series. I think Jimmy Butler's a dog, but uh, I don't know. I just think that the Bucks need to make this a series. I think they know that it's desperation time here. So take the Bucks. And my last pick comes tomorrow night. Take the Boston Celtics money line, please. They're not going to lose oh, yeah. another game. Uh, I think they know. I think Tatum's going to be back on his bullshit here, playing some good basketball. Uh, the Buck or the Raptors are minus one, so I mean, just take the money line while you're at it. Um, there's no way that the Celtics are going to come deflated tomorrow. I know that. I know Brad Stevens is going to let them do that. Those are my picks. <sighs> I'm out of breath. Jeez. Yeah, jeez, you rattled through those, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to hit on? Uh, nah, just go Celtics. Um, it's a little too early to look at it, but uh, at the end of this year, December 31st, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder will be fighting again. So whenever that's coming around, hammer Tyson Fury. He is going to make Deontay Wilder his little bitch again. So <laughs> go Gypsy King. Um, that's really all I got to say. Uh, just go Seas. And the Red Sox suck. Yes, they do. Um, one last thing here worth noting. I don't know if you realize this, Liam, but football is back. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah, football <laughs> is a week away. Six days. A week? Not even a week. Six days away. The Texans and Chiefs opening night. Oof. I mean, I know it's. I know. I did. We just wrapped it up. But take the Texans. Do it. Take the Texans in that game. Chiefs are going to blow an egg. Trust. I don't know if you said that. Did you say it? Oh, yeah. That was me. I've been yep. on that. I agree with you. I agree with you. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with you. But we're going to be back soon. Patriots yeah. football is back. Yeah, we'll do like an NFL rundown before the uh, week one games kick off. Yep. We've been hitting on a lot. Cam Newton's officially a starter. He's a captain. We're going to be hitting on some a lot of football. I am so fucking pumped. Let's go. All right. That'll leave us off here today. Uh, This has been episode number 28. We'll see you in about a week. Talking NFL. See you later. Peace.